I'm Jeff Cohen. For Yasmina Huberman, the topic of conversion was a major theme in her family. Her mom went through a conservative conversion. But as Yasmina grew up and charted her own religious path, that led her to an Orthodox conversion, as well as a move to Israel. She's here today to share the details of her journey, so let's get started. Yasmina, welcome to Saturday to Shabbos. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and to speak with you, Jeff, and to share a little bit of my story. And my job as the interviewer was to tease out some interesting things that we're going to, of course, bring up as we go through the interview. But as with all of our guests, we like to start at the beginning. And as I was hearing a little bit about your story, I think even before we talk about you, it would be helpful to set some context in terms of your grandparents, where they came from, and, and their religious upbringing. Sure. I would be happy to talk about that a little bit more. My paternal grandfather, when he was younger, his parents had always told him that their family, they were different and that they were Jewish, but they didn't grow up really practicing any anything at home. But he had always heard that while he was young. And it wasn't until later on, when my great-grandmother actually was on her deathbed, and he started to read some psalms or something from the Bible, and she said, oh, you need, you need the Hebrew book, you need the Hebrew Bible. That's not the right one. And, you know, so that kind of started him, I guess, on his journey, putting together the pieces of... He had constantly been told, okay, our family's different, our family's Jewish, but they didn't really do anything, so he wasn't actually sure where to turn and what to do. And by this point, he had children already, and he had had several dreams, and one of the dreams in particular, he ended up in front of a Jewish bookstore. And days later, he actually ended up in front of that Jewish bookstore, and he walked in and he said, you know, I... I've been told I'm Jewish. I, I want to learn a bit more about my history, my ancestry. I, what, what do I need to know? And the bookstore owner, she said, okay, here, I'll give you some books. This is a Chumash. This book has the five books of Moses. And then this is a Sidor, you know, start with that. And he's like, well, I don't know. Where, like, I don't know in Hebrew. Like, what do I do with this? And at that time, he couldn't really find anyone to teach him. But she recommended another book, uh, Reishi Da'at, which is a book with uh, the Aleph Bet and the Nekudot. So he started with that. And so he just really started teaching himself. And eventually he worked his way up to leading his first seder and then for Pesach. And then eventually he started to not recruit, but other people started to eventually come to him. They wanted to learn more about what it was to be Jewish and he used to teach, and he and my grandparents eventually founded a small synagogue in Philadelphia. Later, they moved to southern New Jersey, and they developed a community there. And once my grandfather, he taught all of his children. My dad kind of jokes that they went to public school during the day, and then their learning continued in the afternoon because they were... Uh, homeschooled in their Jewish education after they came home from school. And then my grandfather taught my dad. And later when my parents met, my mom also had the opportunity to learn a bit from my grandfather and that gave her her start. And then I guess they passed on along the torch to my brother and myself. So here we are. And I mentioned in the introduction, this idea that your mother had a conservative conversion. So am I putting this together correctly that when she met your dad, he was Jewish, she was not, but she got kind of pulled into what was going on in your family and decided to convert? Correct. And interestingly enough, when I've spoken with my mom about it, she always felt, I guess, different, so to speak, or she always felt like 
she didn't really enjoy going to church when she was younger. Um, she always kind of questioned. And so when she began, after she met my father and began learning a bit under my grandfather, learning more about Judaism, she felt like this made sense. You know, there was a ritual. There was, there was a tradition. There was a reason why we do the things that we do. And there's a reason we believe in, in Hashem. Hashem controls. It's not just saying we believe in a person who did all these things and we should believe in that. There was real depth to it. And that was what something that really attracted to her to, to Judaism. And she wanted to learn more. So even after my grandfather passed away, I was already two years old at that point. So they wanted to make sure that they were going to be able to pass along the tradition. They wanted to make sure that their kids obviously would be Jewish. And she decided on her own that she was going to undergo a conservative conversion. She wanted to find, she, they worked together. They found a great community in Sewell, New Jersey. The congregation was called B'nai Tikva at the time. And the rabbi there, he was actually an Orthodox rabbi. And he wanted to serve the community there. And so my parents eventually settled in there. And she uh, met with the wonderful rabbi and who worked with her. And thank God she was able to undergo a conversion at that point. And so you hear a lot about this idea of religion being passed through the mother. As you come into the world, you're thinking, I have two Jewish parents. My mother went through a conversion. I'm assuming at the time they didn't really understand the difference between a conservative versus orthodox conversion. So was it just a feeling within your family that you're Jewish because both of your parents identified as Jewish. Exactly. We were very traditional, even though we didn't keep Shabbat. We drove on Shabbat at that time, but we always lit, my mom always lit Shabbat candles. And then when I was old enough to light, I always lit Shabbat candles with her. And interestingly enough, my dad, when we were younger, I have a, a brother also, he's a few years younger than me. My dad used to work for the one of the casinos in Atlantic City, and typically he worked evenings, but he was able to switch around his schedule so that he always made sure that he had off on Friday nights. So even though, you know, we weren't Shomer Shabbat, my parents really tried to make it special and tried to make sure that that was a time that we were together as a family. We always, like I said, we lit candles. We always had a Shabbat dinner. And even as we got older, we both went to public school. Um, my brother actually later did go to a Jewish day school, but I went to public school through high school. We were never allowed to go to any school dances. And the one exception my parents made was my senior prom because they figured, okay, that was going to be the last dance, you know, in your high school, you know, schooling years before, I guess, going into adulthood. We weren't allowed to do other activities. Friday night was always a time together as a family. So again, even though, let's say we weren't Orthodox by, you know, those kinds of standards, my parents did try to make sure that Shabbat was special. And again, they, there was just such beauty that they saw in Judaism that they really wanted to pass on to us. And yes, at the time, when I was younger, I didn't realize that there were these differences between who's a Jew and who's not. All I knew was, okay, you know, my, we always did all of the holidays. We always went to Shul on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot. We, we went. We had a connection with being Jewish, even though we weren't, uh, let's say, Orthodox. It's so interesting about your story that I know later on we're going to get to Orthodox Judaism. But if you had chosen to live your entire life 
in conservative Judaism, you might never have come across this idea of, are you technically Jewish or not? I mean, I have tons of friends who are secular Jews who make that determination just on how their parents identify, not so much on whether there was like an official conversion or what levels the, the parents are at. So it's really interesting that throughout your childhood, it was just based on what your parents were telling you. And I, I'm guessing later on in the story, we're going to come to a point of, wait a minute, if you really want to be Jewish, there's some extra steps you have to do. Definitely. You're exactly right about that. Okay, and so we'll get to that a little bit later in the interview. Let's continue now with, with the arc of your childhood. You talked about being in public school. I don't know if you specifically said where you were raised throughout your childhood and where your parents also sending you to some kind of Hebrew school to supplement what was going on in public school. Sure. I grew up in, I mentioned South Jersey. Uh, the town where I grew up in, very small town. We did not live in a Jew, big Jewish community whatsoever, um, although I'd say the closest big Jewish community to where I grew up is Cherry Hill, New Jersey. So typically people ask where I'm from. I say near Cherry Hill, New Jersey, because most people have no idea uh, where I'm actually from. But the town is called Sicklerville, New Jersey. And for various reasons, my parents found it to be a nice area. And there was a synagogue at that time. It's actually still in that area. Um, it's called B'nai Tikva and now B'nai Tikva Beth Israel. And as I mentioned before, the rabbi and his wife there, they uh, were Orthodox. Rabbi Leonard Zucker, Zichrona Levracha, and his wife, Elaine, Zichrona Levracha, they really were the powerhouse, I guess, behind this synagogue. They really wanted to make sure the kids there had a Jewish education. Back then, it was really what we would call the boondocks. It was like farmland. There were definitely stores and different things like that, but it's not. it wasn't as built up as it is today. Again, it was always a really nice community. My family was accepted um, with open arms right away. He actually also knew of my grandfather, which was really special too. People always ask me, oh, did you ever have any issues in school? You know, the fact that you were Jewish or did people ever say anything? And I feel like we had such a unique situation because from a young age, I remember my dad used to come into my school. And again, because he worked evenings, he had his days were a little bit more open. He used to come to my school. I remember every Hanukkah pretty much, maybe sometimes even before Pesach, he would come in and he would talk about the holiday with with my class and with my brother. And we would buy dreidels for all of my classmates and give them out so they could play dreidel at home. And he would explain what the Hanukkah was and why we celebrate the holiday of Hanukkah. And even as I got older, I remember some of my fellow classmates would come and say to me, do you remember? I remember when your dad would come into our class and tell us about Hanukkah. Like, I always remember that. It made such an impression on me. And uh, I just found that to be really special that he was able to do that. And I think it was great to be able to teach other people here. I was one of maybe two or three other Jewish kids in our whole school. And it really made a difference. And I think it broke down a little bit of the barrier of people learning more about Judaism and what we do and just created that open space for conversation. From everything you're describing, it really sounds like your parents did a unbelievably beautiful job of connecting you to Judaism in a place where there wasn't a lot of it. It's just everything you're saying sounds like there was such a warm feeling towards religion within your household. Am I, am I hearing this right, picking up that? 100%. They really did their best to... Like My dad grew up Orthodox. Like my grandparents, they had a Shomer Shabbat home. They kept kosher. 
So being where my parents were, my mom was more leaning towards conservative Judaism at that time, wanting to be traditional, but she she wasn't at that step, I would say, to fully you know live in a Jewish community where they could be Shomer Shabbat. They did their best to make sure that we were proud to be Jews and that, you know, obviously there was only so much you could learn about being a Jew in a Hebrew school, but I definitely think that we had a lot at home and they tried to do a great job of preparing us. And again, with my Hebrew school too, I feel like um, Rabbi and Mrs. Zucker, they really tried their best and my other um, teachers too, tried to make sure that we were as prepared as possible to be proud Jews. So I want to advance the story now to the high school leading into college years, because you you hit this age where you you advance from what your parents have shown you, and you're kind of following along with what they're doing, to forming your own opinions about religion. So I'm wondering for you, as you started to think about post-high school years, what role is religion playing? Does it factor at all into what you want to do with your life, college, and all that whole phase of your life? Definitely. So as I started to move into my teenage years, I had my bat mitzvah, and my mom actually taught Hebrew school in our school. She taught kindergarten, and I actually started off shadowing her in her classroom. And then from then, I got my teacher certification so that I could teach. And I basically, from the time I was 13 years old until I had my own children, I taught in either Jewish day school or Hebrew school setting. And I just remember starting to learn a little bit more. I was in USY in high school, and I started to meet some other kids who were involved in USY, and they kept Shabbat at home, and they kept kosher, and they did all these things. And it was actually a requirement to even be a person on the board of one of the chapters of USY. And as I continued to learn, eventually, I always was passionate about being Jewish, never ate pork, never ate shellfish, anything like that. Even though I did continue to drive on Shabbat, I started to explore a deeper understanding of Judaism. I'd say probably when I was starting college, um, I didn't go to a college where there were many Jews. But there was a Hillel on campus, so I did attend some of their events. But then I moved back home for a few years after I graduated from college. And I started to go to Congregation Mikveh Israel in Philadelphia, which is my dad's side of the family is Spanish, descended from Spanish Portuguese Jews. And just real quick, I forgot to add that that's Um, When my grandfather started to really trace the steps of um, what happened with our family history, he discovered that we were descendants of the Spanish-Portuguese Jews who had to flee uh, the Iberian Peninsula. And I later found that there was the synagogue of Israel. Um, A couple of my aunts started to attend there after my grandfather passed away, and then I had some cousins who started to go there, and then my parents divorced. And my parent, my dad moved to Philadelphia, and he started to go to this synagogue. And I learned that it's one of the oldest synagogues in the whole country. So I started to go there. And of course, I lived in South Jersey, so I had to drive <laughs> to get there. But I just found the prayers, I found it to be so beautiful. I pretty much went every week. I loved going, and this is an Orthodox shul. The men and women sat separately. 
in my shul growing up, the women were allowed to make an aliyah or, you know, they were allowed to lead some of the davening. So, okay, this was a little bit different that the women didn't do that. It was the men who did the davening, the men who had an aliyah, and the women were separated. There was a mechitza. Now, Mikveh Israel's mechitza is a little bit different than some other Orthodox shuls. So all these things I kind of had to learn a little bit about. But honestly, it wasn't until I actually moved to Israel that I really took that step to becoming Orthodox. I found it to be a little bit challenging to do where I lived in South Jersey, um, being that I, I was working, I was teaching in a school, and it, it was a little bit hard for me at that time to move into a Jewish community. But that was okay. You know, I was on, I was on my journey. Now, you just mentioned Israel. So how does that come about? Because you're in this time period of your life where there could be a birthright trip is like pretty common during that period of time. So how does Israel enter the equation as like a next step in your journey? Exactly. So I went on my birthright trip. I thank God for birthright. It's so amazing to give that opportunity to people to go to Israel. Um, It was in 2004, my first year of college, I went there. And I went with a couple of friends from USY. We went together, we signed up and everything. And I think it's a 10-day trip, if I remember correctly. I just found it to be so incredible to be in the Holy Land, the country where we read about in the Torah, where, you know, you walk down and you see, okay, Avram stopped here. And, you know, Rivka, Rachel, you know, this is where she's buried. You know, all these places that you hear about, going up to the Kinneret, and um, obviously the beautiful Mediterranean, like, and going and seeing all these things that this is history, thousands of years of of Jewish history. And I felt so fortunate to be able to go and ride camels and learn about (laughs) how we got the Golan Heights and the, you know, some of the wars that Israel had fought to exist. A few years after that, I was teaching in Philadelphia at a, uh, at a Hebrew school, Temple Beth Zion, Beth Israel, right in the heart of Center City, Philadelphia. And we had the opportunity to participate in this program. I think it was called the Philadelphia Israel Project, something like that. And we joined with other educators from other um, Hebrew schools throughout the city of Philadelphia. And we did a process of learning. I think it was a, a year or nine months where we studied different parts of Israeli history. We learned pedagogy and how to best teach Israel to our students. And the culmination of this program was all of us would have the chance to go on a trip together to Israel. It was amazing to be able to have the opportunity to go back to Israel. I think it was in 2008, so four years after I had gone on my first trip. And so I had grown a little bit, and now I was a teacher, and now I had this opportunity to give over what Israel is from a different perspective, you know, as a teacher and someone who has gone there, who had gone there twice by this point. And this trip was a little bit different because I I think we got to see more of the depth of Israel. You know, the first trip, they take you to all the sites and you you see all the touristy places and it's great. It, It plants that seed for you. But this trip was a little bit deeper. Yes, we did the touristy things, but we also were able to go to Sterot and we got to meet families who are continuously affected by rockets raining on them from Gaza. And we got to meet with 
Israeli Arabs who talked about how much they love the land of Israel. They love being Israeli. They love being able to work and be a part of such a beautiful country. And that was such a different experience and give it gave me a different perspective of the beauty and the depth of what Israel really is. Yes, it's all these things that we learn in history, but also these people, the people are so special and that it's a Jewish homeland. It's really important that we have Israel. Now, from everything you described, I'm hearing two things. One, a real connection to Israel. Secondly, it seems like you're holding maybe somewhere between conservative and orthodox. So how does that all bundle together to, you know what, I want to live in the Holy Land and I want to like step up my game and go like all in on Orthodox Judaism. I'll, I say I, that my brother kind of kickstarted that because he decided to make Aliyah. He did everything that he needed to do and he left and he moved there. And then I started to think, you know, I was in my mid 20s, almost late mid to late 20s. And I was thinking, okay, you know, I definitely want to meet someone. I want to meet someone who's Jewish. I found it to be a little bit difficult to meet someone here. And I thought, you know, why don't I take that chance? You know, we're able to, I'm able to make Aliyah. My mom converted. I can, I can use her paperwork. That's what you need to show at the Jewish agency. And I said, if I'm not going to do it, I'm never going to know. And I remember one of my dear friends said to me, Mishane Mako, Mishane Mazal. You know, you change your place and you change your luck, so to speak. And she said, if you feel in your heart to go, go. And my parents were very supportive. I guess my brother kind of opened the door for that. But I feel like we in my family have been strong supporters of Israel. My grandparents at one time did want to make Aliyah back in the 1970s. And they decided that it wasn't really the right time. There was still, you know, it was still a fresh country, only about 20-some years old or so. And they just felt like it wasn't the right time for them to move, so they shelved the idea. But we always had that love of Israel in our family. And then my brother made Aliyah, and then I said, okay, you know what, I'm going to go. And I found that I could study Olpan at Olpan Etzion, which is in, I stayed at the one in Yerushalayim. Um, and it's called the Beit Canada campus, and it's in Armon Hanatziv. So I said, I'm going to stay there, and I can do Olpan there for six months. And it's like an absorption center. So it's Olim from all over the world who also are choosing to move to Israel, and they live in this place, and they learn about what it means to be Israeli. They learn Hebrew, and it's such a great safety net, I guess, if you want to say, because you're with all these people who are in the same situation as you. And then also it's a little bit cushioned because the people who work there are guiding you through opening up a bank account, um, how to look at bills, obviously how to speak Hebrew and just learning all those things that you need to know when you're, when you're moving to Israel. So that's where I got my start. My first six months I lived there and it was such an incredible experience to be there and be around all these other people who were making the same decision as me. And that's when I kind of started to be Shomer Shabbat. We had wonderful shuls that were near us. And so I, I went there, I walked there and we would walk with friends. And I think like, oh my gosh, I'm crazy for doing this now, but we would walk from where Opanetzion is to the old city. It was a, at least an hour walk. And, uh, 
we would do that pretty frequently because we wanted to be observing Shabbat. We wanted to be involved. We wanted to make Shabbat special. So I really found that to be such a great experience for moving to Israel and, and kind of that next step into becoming more observant. Now, you are referencing a couple times this idea of becoming more observant, and I'm thinking back to when I made that decision with my wife. There was nobody who actually said to me, like, can I just see some paperwork on your parents? You know, I just want to make sure that you can do this. So it was just like I could take on whatever I wanted at any speed I wanted. Did you know at this time, as you were starting to get more interested in Orthodox Judaism, had it surfaced yet, this idea of, wait a minute, what's the history of your mother? Or does that come later? That didn't really happen yet until I met my husband. So I had heard murmurings of it, I guess, as I got older and I was in college and, you know, kind of thinking about, okay, I would obviously like to meet someone and get married and all of those things. But I don't think it really hit home for for real until I met my husband. When I finished studying at Opanetzion, I actually started working in a gun there in Yerushalayim. And I had moved out into an apartment. I lived with a couple of girls, also from my opan. And I remember one of the parents who came into the gun one day, and she asked me, okay, so what's your story? You know, are you dating anybody? Are you single? You know, what's going on? And I said, you know, I'm single, but I definitely would like to meet someone. And she said, okay, I have a guy for you. And it just so happened that her husband studied in yeshiva with my husband and they were in touch and coincidentally he was kind of having the same conversation with my husband Ari and kind of going through this whole thing and so we met and we kind of started to talk about our history and story and you know our backgrounds and it came up about my my background and um, that my mom had undergone a conservative conversion and okay what would the status be And, well, we knew that we wanted to get married, and we knew that we wanted to be together. We knew we wanted to get married in Israel. So, okay, we could have gotten married in Canada, which is where my husband's from. We're in America, and I guess everything could have been okay. But the more I thought about it, and I spoke with my parents, and I thought about what my my grandfather did, you know, and before they decided they were going to make Aliyah, They actually went through a process, um, they call it a reaffirmation, where they reaffirmed their Jewish identity. They went through the mikveh. And so I thought, okay, my grandfather did that. I want to make sure, God willing, I'm going to get married. Ari and I are going to get married. We want to make sure that our children are going to be Jewish and recognized as Jewish. I didn't want there to ever be a question. And so we started to talk about, okay, what would this look like? What would the process be like? And the person who owned the gun at the time, she underwent conversion, and she put me in touch with the Rev that she worked with. And I reached out to him, and I told him my story. And he said, you know, I believe that you're Jewish. We just want to make sure that, you know, everything is is right. And so that's what we did. He felt like I had a good background. I had a, a good base, a good foundation. But we needed to try, you know, tie up some loose ends. It is definitely different coming from a conservative to an orthodox background. There's obviously a lot of halachas involved in being an observant orthodox Jew. 
you know, everything from, okay, lighting candles. What does that look like? Okay, well, once you light candles, you can't touch anything that's muksa and things that could be used for doing a malacha, right? That's something that is involved in the 39 malachot that we don't do on Shabbat. Okay, what is what is it about cooking? You know, me being a Jewish woman, I would I have to know what it looks like to be able to warm up food on Shabbat so that I'm not breaking Shabbat. Okay, so what does that look like? If you have a, a pot on the stove, having the intent in mind that based on how much liquid is in there that you can take it off and return it on there. Or, you know, if it's a soup, okay, that's not something you can warm up, right? Because there's all these... Um, these laws about how to live a life in an orthodox way. And so those things I kind of had to, I had to learn because I, I, I didn't really know that, you know, in Hebrew school, there's not time, there's not enough time to learn all of those things. So I was in a great program and I think I went there one or two days a week. And it was, I think I studied for about six months, seven months I would basically go from my job at the gun and then go to my classes. And then in between, I would just read. I just read all kinds of other books just to also expand my, my knowledge of what I would need to know. And uh, I remember when the, the rabbi called me and he said, okay, I have this date and okay, is this date going to work? And for whatever reason, okay, it wasn't going to work. So then it was another date and I, it was in March of um, 2014. And uh, I remember being so excited that I was going to be able to have my meeting. And I should add that because I was undergoing this process in Israel, and it would happen here too, the Beit Dean in Israel, they wanted to know also what Ari's background is, my husband. They wanted to make sure that if I'm taking these steps, that he is also supportive and that his background is also legit, so to speak, that he is from a Jewish family. So we both had to meet with the rabbis. He also met with the rabbi that I met with who ran this uh, conversion program because they want to make sure a young woman who's going through this program, there needs to be that support with the person that they're going to marry, that they're on the same page. Ari also went with me when it was time to go to the Beit Din, and we met with the three rabbis. They asked, they asked me questions. They asked him questions. And uh, thank God, you know, it went really smoothly. I was able to go to the mikvah, and it was it was beautiful, and it was great. And for me, it was such a beautiful experience, and I felt like it was really coming full circle from my grandparents to me and really carrying on that torch. Now, one of the things I know from the conversation we had before the interview is that you're not actually doing the interview today from Israel. But I would think that at the time, you were probably thinking, this is where our life is going to be. But there must have been something else that happened that you end up coming back to the United States. Yes. So my husband, we got married in Israel. And it actually was so beautiful because uh, a few months after I went through the process, went through conversion, went through the mikvah, my husband proposed. And we didn't want to have a long engagement. So we got married three months later in August of 2014. And we wanted to get married in Israel. We felt like that was really important. That's where we met. And my husband actually had been in Israel for 10 years. So he felt that there was a school program that he wanted to pursue. He was born in Canada, and that's where he grew up. And this program that he wanted to pursue was actually in Canada. So we decided that it would be a good idea for him to pursue this program of study. 
And so we decided to leave Israel and it was really sad. We actually, I don't know how we did it looking back now. It was so crazy. Just really shutting down this uh, portion of our lives that we had, especially him being there for 10 years and moving to Canada. And we lived there for two years and my husband completed his program of study there. The next question was, okay, so what are we going to do now? We actually lived in Hamilton, Ontario, which is actually a beautiful community, beautiful place to live. But then my husband, when it came time to look for jobs, we had to make that decision. Okay, do we stay in Canada? Do we look in the States? Because he also is American. And he ended up uh, looking for some jobs in the U.S. And he got a job here. And we ended up moving to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which is another small community. Um, But it's beautiful here. It's right near the Susquehanna River. And there's mountains within a drive's distance. And there's lots of hiking. And um, the community is actually also a really nice but small community. And so we've actually been living here for the last uh, several years. But we've always had in our hearts and in our minds that we eventually want to go back to Israel. And um, even this past August, thank God we were able to go with our children to Israel. Um, My brother-in-law got married, and he met a beautiful young woman, and we were able to bring our children to Israel and show them, you know, all the things, like I said before, that we talk about, that we learn in the Torah of, Yerushalayim and going to Tzfat and going to Yam HaMelech and the Kinneret. We got to take our kids to all these places. And now our kids are asking us, okay, so when are we going back to Israel? When are we going to move to Israel? Um, so it's kind of funny that uh, the kind of the planting the seeds and we hope Bezrat Hashem like, to go back. So you just mentioned kids for the first time, but just to fill in the details around this, I don't think you said what your husband was studying, what kind of job he found in Harrisburg, like what his career was. And the last we talked about your career, um, you were teaching in a, in a gone. So what were you doing once you landed in Harrisburg? And I guess that's where you started your family? Yes. Um, so when we moved from Israel to Canada, my husband was learning renewable energies. So that's solar and wind power and geothermal and everything. And the program he wanted to do, there weren't very many places back then uh, doing this program. And he felt like it was a great school to go and have that opportunity. So that's uh, why we moved to Hamilton, Ontario uh, for that. So he could pursue that program. And then he wanted to work within that industry And at the time, the jobs were much more popular here in the States than they were in Canada. And so he applied. And when the person, I guess the supervisor he mentioned or the hiring manager, she basically gave him a choice. You can either work in New Jersey or work in Pennsylvania. You know, where do you want to go? And we didn't really want to live in New Jersey. I grew up in New Jersey. Um, we kind of wanted to be in a place with a little bit lower cost of living, um, so we chose uh, Pennsylvania. And at the time, we came to visit the Harrisburg community, and we just found like it was a really warm community, really welcoming, almost like a family setting. And 
he was at that time working in Allentown. So Allentown and Harrisburg, about an hour and a little over an hour apart. So he would actually leave and commute from Harrisburg to Allentown every day to go uh, work at his job. And he was working selling solar at this time. But then he switched gears. He actually ended up meeting someone from our shul who was in the financial industry. And for the last several years, he's been working in finance uh, and doing taxes and uh, things of that nature, which I think is also a good opportunity because that's something that people always need in Israel. So maybe one day um, that's something that he can do. Uh, God willing, it should all work out and we can go back. But And then for me, my background has always been in Jewish education. I mentioned before I used to teach in Jewish schools, day schools, Hebrew schools, and then I taught while we lived in uh, Canada. And then I also taught here up until our second child was born. Um, when our first child was born, our daughter, it was actually so great. I had such a small class. I was able to bring her with me for the first year that I taught. And uh, then when our second son- child was born, our son, two years later, we decided it would be best for me to come home and to be with our children. So that's where I've been I guess for the last four years or so, really just teaching our own children. And you talked about Harrisburg as a small Jewish community. So just bring that to life for us. Like how many families are there? Are there restaurants? Like what's the whole infrastructure of Harrisburg like from a Jewish perspective? There are no kosher restaurants. Uh, <laughs> so we, we do our cooking. Thank God there's a great supermarket where we can find kosher food. There's a kosher bakery. Um, we have a wonderful rabbi and his wife. They're very... Uh, good people, actually very interesting. He is originally from New York, both of them, but they were serving in Ottawa, uh, Ontario, Canada for about 40 some years. And they just recently moved to our community over this past year um, and have been serving as our rabbi, which is really, really nice. And we have about 150 families, something like that. Harrisburg has definitely been shifting a bit though. The Orthodox community we don't have as many young families as there used to be. I think the the appeal of moving to a community where there is more infrastructure has kind of pulled some of the young families away. We are one of a few of the Orthodox young families. The conservative shul does have a bit more young families than we do. But we do have a school, and it goes from kindergarten through eighth grade. And then a lot of people here, when it comes to high school, they will send their children to Baltimore, which is about an hour and a bit away. So there is a bus here, a van that um, takes the students who are going to school down there. And there's one more side to you that we didn't discuss yet, because today you're the podcast guest, but I understand you're also a podcast host. So I want to make sure you had a chance to talk about your own podcast. Sure. I would love to talk about that. So a few years ago, it was actually during COVID, actually in the summer, I guess, of 2020, Being that I'm a Jewish educator by nature, my husband actually grew up going to Jewish day schools all his life. He's always been very passionate about Jewish education. And I guess it was kind of a joke initially, you know, why don't we uh, interview Jewish educators? Let's see how they're taking COVID. Like, let's see what's, what's going on with them. Let's hear their story. And I think we both kind of laughed about it. Like, no, I don't know if we could really do that. You know, no, like, why would we do that? And then the more we thought about it and seriously started to consider it, we said, you know what, that's actually a great idea. We should reach out to Jewish educators and just find out what's going on with them, find out what they need, find out their stories. 
and um, it's been going really well. It's we're almost three years now that we've been doing this. We are almost at our hundredth episode, a little over five thousand downloads, and we've been able to interview educators from all different backgrounds, everywhere from someone who teaches in Hebrew school setting to Orthodox Jewish day schools to conservative Jewish day schools, not religious, more religious, um, Haredim even. The one thing really connecting us is the fact that, okay, we are all Jews. We all have a tie to this long thousands of year history of people who've come before us and kind of continue to pass on the torch to the next generations. And, And that's what our job is, whether we're parents or educators, that we are preparing the next generation to, God willing, be the next Jews, God willing to be proud Jews. And so that's one of the things that we really touch on in our podcast when we're interviewing educators is what nuggets do they have that they can share to help us do a better job at preparing our young people to be strong Jews and how do we help them to learn Torah and have faith and bitachon and have the strength, even when we're going through tough times, that this Torah has carried us through, through all the things that we've experienced in our history. The one thing constant is Hashem and Torah and, you know, obviously the land of Israel too, even though, yes, there have been times where the Jews have been exiled and all these things. But we've always had that in our hearts, and that always continues for us. You did a good job of describing the podcast. I don't think you actually said the name of it, though, so people can find it. It's called the Jewish Education Experience Podcast. And so I also want to mention uh, one more thing that I realized with podcasting, you never know exactly when someone is going to listen to an episode, because it's, it's not like a TV show where people are trying to go in order necessarily. But I do think it's important to point out that This is one of the first couple of interviews that we're doing since the tragic events that happened uh, in Israel going on with Hamas. So I just wanted to give you an opportunity before we close the interview, given the sensitivity of everything that's happening, if there's anything you want to share about either personally how you're experiencing it or thoughts on it. Wow. Yeah, it's been really, really challenging. You know, when something like this happens to the Jewish community, we all feel it. And It's very hard to not think about it. It's very hard to not look at the news and look at what's going on. You know, obviously we have family there, aunts and cousins who are there. Many of them have been called from the reserves. And we are constantly thinking about it. And on the other side of that, we have three children that we have to make sure that we are being mindful of how we're presenting ourselves with them. You know, we can't be down. We can't let it get to us so much that we can't live. You know, we have lives. We have other other things going on, too. I pray every day. We've been saying to Hillem, me with our children, we've been praying for the state of Israel. We've been praying for the Chayalim. Anything that we can do, trying to give extra tzedakah, trying to make sure we're growing in our Torah learning and mitzvot and trying to do masim tovim, good deeds. We've been trying to do all that we can, and I love seeing the camaraderie amongst all of our our fellow Jews. I think that for a long time we haven't had achdut, we haven't had unity. 
it's a shame that it took such a tragic situation to really pull us together. And I think we can forget that we have Hashem and we have the Torah and we, we have this beautiful tradition that has been passed on to us. And that's what's going to pull us through this. And I pray, I, I pray that Mashiach is going to come. We're going to have peace. But we have to show that we're also not afraid to be Jewish. We have to be proud of who we are and be a light to the nations. I think that's our ultimate mission. That is a beautiful, beautiful message that I think we can all rally behind. So I really appreciate you closing with that and your thoughts on the whole situation. So Yasmina, I just want to say thank you so much for joining me today on Saturday to Shabbos. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a wonderful opportunity and I I really appreciate it. Saturday to Shabbos is produced by Gary Wallach. Our theme music is by Paul Uden. To learn more about us, please visit TachlisMedia.com. That's T-A-C-H-L-I-S-Media.com. Tell us what you think about what you've heard, or suggest a story we should know about by emailing Shabbos at TachlisMedia.com. I'm Jeff Cohen. Thanks for listening. Please check with us often for more stories of inspiring Jewish journeys. Saturday to Shabbos is a Tachlis Media podcast.